Good afternoon, everybody, and uh, welcome to this uh, TFM professional development webinar. Uh, today, uh, today's event is a Google Shopping Masterclass. Um, it's an interactive webinar aimed to increase your knowledge on how best to uh, operate uh, Google Shopping. Uh, today's event has been brought uh, to you uh, in partnership with our sponsor today, which is Bidnamic. Uh, Bidnamic are a Google Shopping specialist, and without their support, we wouldn't have been able to make this webinar free to you all today. Uh, just a few operational things before we start. Um, if you happen to be watching this at a later date on our YouTube channel, then uh, please uh, click like and subscribe. Um, uh, and if you are watching this live with us at the moment, um, then there is two ways for you to interact. The first way uh, is to use the chat box feature. So if you've got any questions, any comments or any anecdotes, then please leave them there. However, what I will say is if you've got a comment or a question that's quite complex or convolutant, there is a raise your hand uh, tool. And what we can then do is switch your mic live and you'll be able to talk directly to our panelists. So um, yeah, so if, like I say, if it's short and snappy, great, put it in the chat box and we'll do our best to answer everyone's questions or respond to everyone. You can actually message our panelists direct as well. And if they do have time during the webinar, and they can uh, type responses to you. But like I say, it depends on how, uh, uh, how, how preoccupied they are. So yeah, that's how the uh, webinar will run and we shall be doing it for about 60 minutes. And at the end of this webinar, immediately afterwards, we've got uh, a networking event, which you're welcome to join us. Uh, my colleague Scarlett, who's uh, operating around in the background, will share the Zoom link at the end of the webinar. So if you'd like to come and join us there for like 15, 20 minutes sort of speed networking, so you'll have the opportunity to meet panelists, but also you'll have the opportunity to meet some of the other delegates who are at this event today. Um, so without further ado, I'm going to introduce our panelists today. So we've got quite a, a wide range of experience here. Uh, a few of our panelists are TFM veterans. They've spoken on some of our previous webinars and actually, um, if any of you do remember the old days where we actually had things like live conferences and live workshops, they spoke at that as well. So first up, we have Kevin Ward, who's Director of UK Partnerships at Klarna. I think most of you should or will know who Klarna are. Uh, secondly, we have Liam, uh, Liam Patterson, who is the CEO of Bidnamics. Um, and as I mentioned, Bidnamics is Google Shopping specialists. Uh, and Liam works with a variety of different clients within the sort of fast moving consumable space. One of which is Hannah, Hannah Lewis, who is the PPC manager for Lounge Underwear. And Hannah, it's been fascinating watching your business grow over the last few years. I've seen uh, the team at uh, Lounge attend many of our events. So it's a fascinating, fascinating success story. And then lastly, we have another uh, TFM veteran to our webinars, and that's Alex Green, who's head of digital at Yours Clothing. Um, Alex's CV is, is pretty extensive and um, has some good experience within uh, the whole e-commerce sphere. So I'm looking forward to hearing uh, Alex's thoughts on today's topics. Always interesting. Um, what I'm going to do next is obviously, like I say, the, the event is supported by Bidnamic. So I'm just going to hand over to Liam quickly, just so he can tell you a little bit about what Bidnamic do. Um, so Liam, over to you. Sure. Thanks a lot for that. And thanks for the introduction. So uh, can everyone see the, hopefully everyone can see the screen now. Um, it should just be coming through. So um, is that, yeah? yeah. Great. So yeah, so what, what are Bidnamic and, and what do we do? So all we do is Google Shopping. So we're absolute experts at this uh, at this channel uh, and we support hundreds of, uh, of retailers um, with Google Shopping and we typically get the call um, when, when clients have challenges with Google Shopping and what we very frequently hear which hopefully might resonate with, with some of you or, or hopefully you won't hopefully you're already acing it um, is that that profitability can be a real challenge of Google Shopping so to get volume you said cost per click model so you're paying for every click that's coming through so if you want to go and increase your budgets maybe double or triple your spend to get that volume coming through the only way to do that is to bid more for every single click that's coming through so that can really drain the profitability out of campaigns um, which is which is very challenging 
the second um, challenge that, that companies come to us with is growth. So simply that they've got great profitability from the campaigns that are running, but they're really struggling to get that momentum, to get that growth, whether it's year on year, month on month, whether they've got some, some really fast growing uh, goals as well, then, then that can often be a challenge to deploy that budget without losing the profitability and, and continuing that month on month growth as well. And, and thirdly, we often hear around time that it's gonna be a very time intensive channel. You know, we've got to analyze the results, we've got to change the bids, we've got to see what that impact is on the volume, on the profitability, on the spend. So it's a very, very uh, time intensive channel for, other, for some businesses and, and you know, often an area where they, they feel they lack that expertise. So that's with, with one of those three challenges, that's when, when we get the call and when we come in and assist the business. And we're really proud that we're working now in our third year as a business. We're a team of 70. Um, our team is, is full of PhD researchers, uh, developers. So we've actually built a software uh, platform which fully manages all the complexities of Google Shopping. So it understands the data and it sets the right bids to really optimize the efficiency and profitability of Google Shopping. I'm also really proud of the success stories. So um, we're working with uh, Lounge and Chili's, which were notably the first and second fastest growing business, according to the Sunday Times, Fast Track 100. So a huge accolade to, uh, to the team at Lounge and Chili's. And, and obviously it's great to be supporting the two fastest growing businesses in the UK. We also work internationally. So we work with very well-known brands like Volcom, we work with um, specialists, uh, retailers like Nailers, who've just been acquired by JD Sports. We also work with marketplaces as well, like Garmentry, which are a luxury fashion brand. So we work right across the scope from low cost, fast fashion, right the way through to premium luxury. Um, we work from single brand retailers like Chili's, like Lounge, right the way through to multi-brand uh, retailers as well. So um, yeah, so that's, that's what we bring, a lot of expertise um, to overcoming those challenges. And we do it through a digital first approach. For, so through our technology, the Bidnamic platform, which, which takes that control. So hopefully that gives a bit of insight and, uh, and I'm really excited to hear from the, from the panelists and everyone who's, who's been at that cold face of Google Shopping. So with that, I'll, I'll hand back to, uh, to Dale and the team. Thank you very much, Liam. Um, so my first question of the day is actually aimed at the audience. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring up a quick poll uh, for you all to, um, I'm going to allow the panelists to vote as well. So can you just let us know, um, uh, are you currently using Google Shopping at the moment? So the audience or the panelists can't see this, but I can. So it's a bit neck and neck at the moment. So uh, ooh, it's, still neck and neck <laughs> and people are still voting so we've got 55 60 so 67 percent of you voted come on the remaining here we go 79 percent. right so i'm just going to end the poll and here we go so there's the results so we have um 70 percent 70 sorry 57 percent of our audience aren't currently um using uh, Google Shopping. So hopefully we'll be able to um, teach the audience some new tricks and trades. And, and for the remaining, uh, for the 43%, if you've got any um, anecdotes you want to chip in on today's discussions, feel free. So I'm going to stop this. Uh, I have another poll to bring up as well. So I'm just going to publish that before we go into our discussion. And this one is uh, what we would like to find out from the audience is what your biggest challenges are. So here we go. So the biggest challenges being uh, here, we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven different options. So if you guys can um, let us know what your biggest challenges currently are, and whether it's achieving the ROI, whether it's a challenge over around sales volume, uh, time and resources, uh, converting traffic, uh, adhering to Google policies, uh, data and feed management, and if there are any other um, particular challenges that you haven't that we haven't included on this poll could you just pop them in the chat box so we know what they are so it gives us a little bit of intelligence so come on a few more of you if you can vote we're just up to 57 percent of the audience 63 percent of the audience the remainders must be out having a cup of tea or something so uh i'm just going to end that poll and i'm going to publish it so here we go guys and there we are. Any surprises there, Liam? 
No, I think it's it's uh, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because it's when we think about the, the slide I just had up, which are the common reasons we hear. It's actually the the top three here. You know, achieving ROI and profitability, um, which which is really challenging with with Google Shopping for, for a lot of retailers. Um, thirdly, was the secondly was the growth, uh, and third was was the time that it actually takes to as a channel uh, to manage. So it's it's really interesting that I think it's even in the order that it was on the slide. So um, yeah. <laughs> But, but also there's, there's you know converting traffic uh, which is which i think would be a really interesting topic uh, to, to go into because it's absolutely you know it ties through to the roi is that you need to get the roi and profit and the growth you've got to be getting traffic which is relevant which is then going to convert to sales so I'm interesting on, on hearing everyone's experience there um well someone's uh, just put in the chat box bidding on keywords so um i'd like to um obviously my first question to you was can you just sum up why Google Shopping doesn't work for most people? But uh, can you allow, because you've done a vlog for us recently about this. Um, can you just sum up that a little bit? So, I mean, if we can start off, you could just give us a brief overview of why Google Shopping doesn't work uh, for many of the clients that, or people that you speak to. Yeah, certainly. So I think it, it doesn't work because you've got to bring together um, multiple disciplines of a business. So first of all, you've got the, um, the product range itself. So it has to be a product range where people are going to Google or they're going to marketplaces and actively searching for these products. So sometimes we find retailers that have got such amazing, innovative new products, but people don't know about them. They don't know about the brand. They don't know about the, the use case for it. Whereas really they need to use a channel like influencers maybe or, uh, you know, or PR to get that word out. So first of all, it's only tapping into the existing volume of people searching for what they sell. So firstly, it's they've got to have a product range where there's de existing demand. Um, secondly, you've got to um, be bringing that traffic through in a way which is price competitive. So you're not going to be the cheapest. And that's a, a misconception. You know, Amazon, you've got to be the cheapest. It's all about winning the buy box through price. With Google Shopping, it's not. It's about being competitive. So maybe 10 or 20 percent uh, nearest your, your competitors. Um, the third reason is, is actually the website itself. So, um, you know, you've got to have a, a range of products which are relevant. So if you're just selling, for example, one bike, it's going to be quite limited um, or one pair of running shoes. Whereas if you've got a range of those products, people can discover more. They can change sizes. They can change styles. They can uh, change models. They can also discover upsells and cross-sells. So really having that, that experience on the site where they can discover a breadth of product range and they can add other items to the cart. Because if your competitors do have that and you don't, they're going to be able to outbid you on, on Google and, and get in front of you on the carousel. So that's definitely one of the challenges. Um, and I think the maybe link to that as well is that you've got to have um, a website which is high performance. So again, you've got to have a fast website, one which is easy to navigate. And why I say it's, this is difficult is because often the team that are buying the products and pricing the products um, will be totally separate to the team that's designing the website, that's making sure it's loading quickly. Um, maybe they're even merchandising similar products together. So different parts of the business have to work together. And then thirdly is the campaign management. So maybe touching on that, the, the question that came up, you've got to be selecting the right search terms that are relevant to your business. You've got to be getting in front of the right audiences and the right locations. So thirdly is that, um, that bidding uh, part of it in the campaign management side, which is where, where we specialize in. Um, I can see Alex and Kevin nodding quite uh, enthusiastically here. So um, Alex, I'm going to come to you next. Is there anything you want to add to that from your perspective? Well, I think, well, you know, Liam's fantastic at this and that summarised everything. I think where, where I come from, um, being a retailer, is you're effectively gambling with, with, with your company's money. Um, Google the, are the house and they always win. Um, and what you're effectively trying to do is, first of all, be in a position where you're competing with your your competition and you you know if you're not in in that in that market to to play the game they they are stealing an advantage on you so you, you do have to be on google shopping it's then to what sort of level and you're going to have different kpis depending on on how, how your business views google shopping um and and what it's going to bring what i would say is that for, for a lot of these um these brands and retailers who are coming on board that that they say they're not on Google Shopping at the moment. Um, now, if you if you are if you are a business and you're starting from scratch, the quickest way for you to get onto in in front of a large audience is is Google um, through PPC and then through Google Shopping. Um, you know, if you haven't got affiliates, you haven't got an email database, um, you're starting up your social. You know, it's it's an easy way to 
to um, get your, yourself in front of an audience and you're not paying for those impressions, don't forget, you're only paying for, for the quick. So first of all, think about how you, you want to develop that in your strategy. And the second thing is, it's very difficult to make money on this on a, on, on a model of a, of a last click or a first click basis. It's got to play part of a strategy. Um, you are feeding your other channels. Through this, you are growing um, your email database. You know, if you've got a sign up for that, that, that you need to think about that. Um, you're growing your social audience. You are then feeding your retargeting, your Facebook ads, all, all the sort of elements of your digital strategy. Google and Google Shop can play a huge part in that. And I think that's where you've got to sort of think about it. You are bidding against competitors, but you're also bidding against yourself as well. So you've got to really top load it in the areas that you feel are most relevant to yourself. So if you take your, your product range, um, you've got your current bestsellers, you've got your what we call evergreen bestsellers, which is your, your, your bestsellers for, for, that you'll have all the time throughout the year. Uh, high, margin, high margin products, you've got to have a strategy for them. Your new arrivals, how you, how you um, focus on them, and then you sale and your clearance items what strategies you want to do with them. Do you want to include them in the feed? Do you want to bid high to just get them, exit them out of the, out of the business? Everything has to have a different strategy. Um, and I think it comes down to how, how you inter interpret those different layers. You've really got to work within the, the business. Um, E-commerce isn't a department, it's an ecosystem. And what you've got to do is really get everyone involved within your department. So make sure the buyers and the merchandisers are aware of what is having success quickly, because that will inter, inter, uh, sorry, um, it will benefit you long term. You're not going to sell out of an item. You've already built up something which has had success. Don't go out of stock. That's the, that's the most damaging thing that you can sort of do is is have have success online and then lose those sales because you've gone out of stock. Thanks, Alex. Um, Kevin, you were nodding. I have been nodding for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's so interesting. I think that I think there's some great points from Lee and Alex there. And I think that for me, um, it always starts and ends with analytics. And I think that, you know, it, it really surprises me and it shouldn't do because I've been doing this for a long time. But I, I've sat in front of some of the world's largest retailers and the CFO can't tell me what their average transaction value is or their, you know, or, or their conversion rate online versus in-store or, or whatever it might be, that it's, it's unbelievable sometimes. And so I think whether you are starting a new business or in a current business, I should be able to ask you 20 questions about your business based on any data set, any analytics set, and you should be able to answer it straight away. So if you can, if you're able to interpret that data and understand what works well in your campaigns, that should be your starter for 10, because then guess what? You replicate what works well and, and then you stop doing what doesn't work well, you know? So I think that's really important. I think the second thing that Alex touched on is that it needs to complement your channels that you're, that you're selling through as well. And whether you're starting or, or you're a mature business, you know, you might have the, you know, the best partner like Bidnamic and, and, you, and you might, uh, you know, have a decent initial budget for your, you know, for, 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 for essentially your Google shopping buys. But the long and short of it is if you come through then to a website that isn't functional, if you come through to a, uh, you know, an email database that isn't there, if you haven't got, you know, pop-up, uh, you know, abandonment carts, et cetera, all of these things are going to prevent you from converting. And that's where the real, you know, sanity vanity play is, you know, it, you can look as good as you want on a Google page as a business, but actually what we're all here to do is sell more stuff. So you need to make sure that you know your numbers inside out and you need to make sure you're complementing the sales process at every stage. And so, you know, uh, I, I think that's really important to sit down and, and really think about and ask yourself a question as a business owner. Do I know my business inside out? Do I know the numbers and do I know the important numbers that I really you know, should know, uh, you know, a, a, a drop of a hat, basically, you know? Oh, the joys of data and analysis, eh? And uh, data attribution. Or <laughs> um, I used to have a full header here until I started getting into uh, 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 data analysis. Uh, Alex touched upon um, strategies, actually, and I'd like to come to Hannah next. Um, can you just tell us, like, if you're new to Google Shopping, and what, and, and depending, and obviously it depends on what size you are, but what sort of basic strategies should you have in place before you embark 
Sure. I think the um, bread and butter of any Google shopping campaign is having a brilliant optimized feed. I think you can't really go anywhere unless you have that. That's how you grow and that's how you even get started. So obviously you have a feed in place, but it's making sure that the different attributes are filled in to help the Google algorithm. So the color material, optimizing those product titles, that's gonna be how you can appear for more search terms and essentially grow. But then as you develop, so as you have that great foundation, then you need to start looking into other ways that you can keep growing, for example, like looking into attribution and where it sits within the funnel and where it sits within the business, really making sure that, you know, you're aware of the Google shopping might not always be that revenue driver for you. It, it really depends on the search term and the intent, um, but making sure that you have that you can actually read that data and make great decisions based off it. And like Alex touched on, if you're not in that space, your competitor is. So it's making sure that, yeah, as a whole, you're achieving your company objectives whilst making the most of, of that Google Shopping space. And then on top of that, it's layering those technologies like such as Bidnamic, having that AI, making sure that you're paying the right amount on your CPCs, making sure that you're not overpaying or that you're dropping out of the auction at all. Um, so it's all these things kind of layer on top of each other to help that strategy first begin and to help you develop and grow. And can I just uh, ask if you were um, like uh, involved in this uh, for a smaller business compared to a, a larger end, would the, would the strategy change at all? No, I would take what I've just said, but on a on a smaller scale. I mean, that feed is essential no matter what size business it really is. Um, there's no doubt about that. But then having the strategy, making sure that no matter what size business you are, you understand where it sits in the funnel. Um, you might, if you're a smaller business, you might not be getting those really high intent brand searches and you might find that you're sitting more alongside like more generic. So it's understanding that they're your, that they're your like traffic drivers and that they might not convert at high ROI. Um, they might not be your revenue drivers, but it's really essential to, to be in that place. Thank you. You touched upon optimization there. Um, Liam, we'll come to you next. Um, uh, tell us a little bit what sort of technologies you should consider uh, in order to manage and optimize your campaigns. And I might come to Kevin after you. Um, can you just elaborate on that? What sort of technologies out there? Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of the optimization of, of Google Shopping, so there's, as, as Hannah mentioned, it starts with the feed. So the feed is where you're putting in your product information. So it's your titles, your descriptions, and there's a lot of great out-of-the-box uh, feed tools, which can be free. So on platforms like Shopify and Shopify Plus, they've got channels where you can build your feed. Um, so it doesn't have to be an expensive uh, partner. There are some very expensive partners, which obviously bring even more for those uh, larger advanced retailers. Um, but it can be as simple as generating that feed and just want to make sure that it's got all the information in there. Um, and um, so there's different tech partners that can do that. Then the second part of it is, I'd say it's almost your, your own experience. So making sure you're getting someone who can help guide you, whether that's uh, an agency, whether that's a partner like ourselves or, or your own in-house team on knowing some of the points Alex touched on there, you know, what are the top brands and top products that should be, should be your top sellers this time of year? making sure you're getting uh, visibility on them and making sure that you're seeing what search terms are coming through as well, because that's really important. So as Hannah mentioned, um, there's generic terms, which might be, for example, um, running shoe, you know, there might be, you know, um, interesting, relevant search terms that are coming through. Or if you've, if you're, you've built the brand, if you're the brand owner, then you can, you can see, you know, how much brand presence you're getting in those search terms. So for example, you know, how many search terms contain uh, lounge underwear or contain, um, you know, the, the brands that, that yours operate, such as uh, Bad Rhino. So, you know, how many of, the, of those are coming through because it's a journey. You know, if someone's searching your branded search terms, sure, Google has played a part, actually another channel be it influencers be it tv be it um you need know, the stores in, in alex's experience we've they've got over 150 stores they've played a part and they should you know in building that brand so they they should take some of that credibility and and then from that from understanding the search terms are they generic search terms or you know that could go to any retail and you've really got to fight for or are they ones that are branded that you've already should be getting maybe for organic and could get through organic so non-paid um then putting the right strategy for those you know so do you where do you want to put your budget 
So the brand terms uh, or your own brand terms are often very, very profitable, but actually they're, um, you know, you might be getting them anyway. So you've, if you've got a limited budget, you might want to put that towards, um, you know, towards the more uh, new, new terms. Um, and then um, from our own technology, we see what we classify search terms as awareness terms, consideration terms and purchase terms. So that could be in the example of running shoes. It could be someone literally just typing in running shoes, could be someone typing in the brand. So Adidas um, and a color or a size. And then, and then the purchase term would be right at the bottom of the funnel would be a really, really long tail, very descriptive term where they might have the exact model number. So Supernova, Adidas, men's size 10. So for those purchase terms, what we've seen across the hundreds of clients that we work with is that these purchase terms, when the customer is further through their buying journey, they've maybe been into store, then they research, maybe they've copy pasted from another website and put into Google because it's unavailable on that website or they're not sure it's price competitive or it's a slow delivery time, that they're ready to buy. So you're, if you've got a limited marketing budget, you really want to try and put it towards these, um, these purchase terms to get the most bang for your, for your book from Google Shopping. So basically what you're saying, it all starts with understanding your search terms, basically. Um, and you touched on something there that I was yeah, just... Just on that, Dale. Just sorry, big product. Just understanding the, the search terms, understanding your business, first of all, and your customer. Um, you know, for, for us, we're a plus-size curved retailer. Now, our customers know that. So when, when they come to us, you know, they don't need those terms written across every single product. Uh, you know, we've got... 10,000 products, so they don't need to have those, those words reinforced to them. What you do need to do is reinforce them within your, your Google feed. It's effectively almost, think about the, the terms and, the, and the, the search related queries that customers are going to be doing and insert them into your titles uh, where relevant, but then certainly into the descriptions. So for the description, don't just take what you've already got on your website and, and stick that in. You know, you probably, you write a nice paragraph. You've got 5,000 characters to, to play with on, on, on a description that also isn't shown to the customer. Um, so the first paragraph is, and effectively everything below that is, is hidden. So you can really go for <laughs> an in-depth sort of um, keywords that are relative to your brand, relative to the product, relative to your competitors, relative to you know, the industry, everything that you sort of want to do, you can insert into those descriptions and it helps you appear for those terms, uh, whether you're paying for it in the, in the auction or certainly in the, in the, you know, the, the free listings further down. And, and then also Google Shopping, the feed that you're doing also benefits in the images section in Google as well. So there's another benefit to, to really getting a well-structured uh, high, high, high intent keyword um, descriptions, basically. Thanks, Alex. Um, I'd like to just elaborate a little bit on this optimization. Um, Kev, Kevin, can I bring you in on this then? Just can you tell us, is there anything we've missed out in terms of how to optimize your uh, feed and stuff? Yeah, I think the key thing for me, I mean, you know, I think that I think that Liam really hit the nail on the head platform wise. I think that's really important and making sure you've got a nice open source platform where you can add these sort of, uh, you know, tools in to make sure you optimize. I think though, what what I really, really advise when, when any of our clients are Klarna is to tap into a partner who has got that expertise and ecosystem already and you know that really knows what they're doing because there's lots of mine holes and rabbit holes to go down with uh, you know, along these sort of lines. And you can spend a huge amount of money getting this wrong. And actually, if you look at something like Bidnamic, you know, investing early in those relationships might turn you into a, you know, into a yours or a lounge in, in, in the future quicker than if you sort of mu try and muddle through on your own. So, you know, partnering with, with Klarna, for instance, on the alternative payment methods, you know, sort of, sort of world is a really important step that retailers make because you're then tapping into our 90 million shoppers. So tapping into partners' expertise for me is, is a really important step a business will make. It seems, you know, a jump because you're just starting your business, then you've suddenly got to start investing in, in optimization services. But actually the return on investment I feel that you get from world-class partners where you can tap into their expertise early on far outweighs the mistakes you can potentially fall into and end up spending a lot of money going down the wrong rabbit holes, you know? So I would, I would jump on with the right partner very early doors. And going back to my analytics point, the right partner will be able to furnish you with lots of case studies with what they have actually done with like-for-like -like retailers in your industry. 
So, you know, just ask a few questions. And one of the things I love to do is I, I, I'd hate to be the smartest man in the room. Luckily, it doesn't ever happen to me. But, uh, but the thing is with it, I, it allows you to ask questions. And I often say things like, can you explain that to me like I'm a five-year-old? Because I actually want to get this nailed down. So don't be afraid to ask those questions. It takes a bit of confidence to do that over the years. But actually asking those very simple questions, what does it mean for me in real terms? And can you show me where this has worked elsewhere in the same industry with the same sort of retailer? It will, I think that will help you with that optimization, probably more than you know, tweaking and, and adding little bits and pieces along the way. So yeah, world-class partnerships is for me where, where it's at. So on that note, then, so you spoke a little bit about technology, you spoke about getting the right partners and stuff like that. What's, what, what, is that, what do people think about having the right platform partner? I mean, we've run various different polls about what platform you'd be setting up on, you know, particularly to do with re, uh, fashion particularly, but, you know, we've got Magento, Shopify. Can anyone say anything on that? I mean, it does seem like Shopify is making big moves now to corner off huge parts of this 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 market but Liam you're nodding the most can you, can, what's your favorite platform that you like to work with yeah I suppose my I, I would say Shopify um, I'm happy to throw my name out there um, we are we are a Shopify partner um, mm -hmm. so it allows you know just having standardization on an interface allows you to immediately know irrelevant of which retailer it is that we're working with to know where to find product information to know what apps to recommend the fact that um, Shopify and, and, and other, others as well, you know, big commerce has got a lot of adoption um, means that, uh, and, and Magento to a degree as well, means that there's great app stores where you can easily access and plug in apps, which, which for, you know, custom built retailers uh, can be months and months of, of, of very expensive development work. So I think, you know, I think there's the Shopify and Shopify Plus in particular are really, really strong choice. And, and you know, we've actually seen retailers who've, who've come to us and, and asked to, to work alongside ourselves. And we've, we've seen that if we were to start working with them, it would actually be massively inefficient because their website is so slow or it's so, you know, that, that we know that if, if a, a web page takes more than three seconds to load after they've clicked on a Google ad, it just for every second extra, the, the dropout rate and the conversion rate goes down. So because they're getting, uh, you know, they're paying for those clicks to Google, they, the clicks aren't converting to sales and the slower the website gets, the less and less clicks they get and therefore the less profitability they get and, and the harder it is for us to work. But there's been cases where we've said, you know, look at replatforming first, moving to away from a legacy custom built platform to something like Shopify, Shopify Plus, which aren't expensive platforms. They can be really quick. And I think this, um, you know, the, the lockdown period has really shown how quickly, you know, even established brands can can get stores up and online and how powerful those shops can be. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll throw my name in and say it's, it's Shopify for us. But uh, I think, you know, there's other very big commerce and, and others are very good. Yeah. But make sure they've got a really extensive app store where, you you know, if a use case comes up, um, you can think, OK, like, like Klarna, how can we quickly get Klarna on? We, we need split payments, you know, um, then you can just plug and play those apps which is so so powerful can i bring the retailers in on this then hannah can i get your thoughts on platforms i mean i mean you don't have to tell us what platform you're on but if you can yeah, no, absolutely everything liam's just said I, I definitely think shopify is possibly like the best and the easiest i mean i don't have a huge i've not worked with many platforms but um, definitely how easy Shopify is to get those apps up and running even when you're like a business that's already established like Lounge if, if you um, want to like add a new territory it's just super easy you just plug in those that those apps and you, you you can go and it's being able it allows you to scale and grow a lot quicker as well even if you are established but yeah 100% Shopify for me. and before I move on then can Alex can I just get your thoughts on that then um you, you're yeah, you remarkably really quiet for some reason but <laughs> no no <laughs> um it's more to do with the size of your business and, and where you are in your your evolution I suppose for me you know I've been doing e-com for 20 years there was nothing like Shopify when I was getting into this. It was very much big custom builds or working with someone like IBM Worldsphere Commerce Suite, you know, fantastic solutions. What they haven't done, I don't think, as well as Shopify is being able to build those those quick wins, those marketing initiatives, those those innovative ideas that, that you have within your marketing team, your design team and you're able to install something very quickly, you're able to build a template and move on the fly very quickly. You're turning a big um, 
a big ship with with a you know a larger platform, you know that you know that they will they will hold up. You know the 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 data integrity and everything sitting together. You know Shopify might not allow you to do that when you're a fifty million pound plus. It's funny you should sorry to jump in. Ten million, I think Shopify is, is is spot on. You know you can build a site within a couple of weeks. Um, the key is just get a good template from the off. Um, you know and, and as a, as a as a business, you can run it. You know, as a one-person band or you know, ten people, however you mean, you'll 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 have good success in it. Sorry, so I was just going to say when you mentioned that, there's just a comment that's just come in here from Justin saying Shopify is great if you want to optimize for simplicity, great for startup businesses, but um, what if you want to optimize for flexibility? I don't know if you want to pick on pick up on that at all. Well, I think it is just that. I think once you get to a certain size, there's lots of requirements that will come in from a business that maybe Shopify doesn't have or the partners that they're working with don't have. Um, you know, I think to, to almost to an extent is everything you are now breaking out and you're almost taking the best parts and best solutions from, from other companies. So you're taking, you're, you're dissecting your search and your merchandising and you're installing something into the platform that you've chosen. They're not as in my experience, none of them are as strong as um, the sum of multiple parts. Um, so if you can take the search and merchandise and install that, you can take things like social proofing, you all the payment mechanisms, um, working with, with like Klarna, et cetera. You know, you, you're building on and layering on top of stuff, which will help your conversion rate. Um, there's, there's more than enough out there for you to double your conversion rate on anything you're doing. And no one's out there. Uh, they're optimum you know it's, it's more about finding those sort of those those quick wins or those those best in class partners and integrating them okay um sorry Liam. Um, yeah, just i was just going to say on that i think for, um just picking up on the, the question that justin put put in there i think um for us it's like if you've got a fairly traditional business model uh in in retail i think that that you, however big you grow i think shopify plus uh is really comes in and, and supports that so we've seen you know we, we were supporting the fact some of the fastest growing uh, businesses in the uk and that they're, they're, they're all shopify plus you know there's the likes of gymshark shopify plus you know these are are not small businesses you know lounge etc um but what we've also seen is is that where they where the challenge is where you've got models like marketplaces so we work a lot with uh, marketplaces like garmentry uh, like the food market so where they've got to have a portal where the vendors or the retailers are logging in updating their listings changing their pricing you know changing their inventory and that's really where shopify uh, shopify isn't that isn't at that support area for marketplaces but i think if you've got a, a more of a traditional e-commerce business and even with with drop shipping involved i think it's so powerful because you know you mentioned there around um tax and, and logistics um you know you can connect in things like zero accounting quickbooks into there and then have the power of this external partner which is you know one of the best in in class for you know uh, tax tax issues um and accounting issues but it's, it's just uh, tapped into the api of um of your e-commerce store like Shopify. I'm just conscious of time here in a bit and we've got a few more questions to go through. But before I move on, I'd like to bring up our third and final poll. So obviously Google Shopping is just a part of where many businesses spend their marketing spend. So the next poll is just uh, to get an idea where uh, the audience who are currently retailing online spend their money. So. Uh, guys, if you can vote on this, uh, panelists, you can vote as well if you want. Uh, where do most of your customer acquisitions come from? Uh, so it is multiple choice. So, so let us know. Um, can the panelists see the results coming in, or is it just me? Voting at the moment. Okay, it's a little bit like the horse races. This. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you to guess before I launch the poll. Does anyone want to guess where most of the money, marketing money, goes? I, I think for, for this audience, I think it was social media and influencers and PPC probably. Anyone else, yeah. Hannah? I agree. I was going to say the same. You guys are good. You're good. <laughs> so here we go. So I'm going to end the poll. Um, it's only, oh, I'll get a few more people are voting. Come on, guys. <laughs> 62%. I think we'll flatten out about 62%. Okie dokie. So end the poll, uh, share results, and there you go. Well done. So it's social media, uh, PPC, and then the Google Shopping, not far after that. Others, um, 
no one's uh, put anything in the comments box, so uh, we'll just assume it's only a small margin anyway. So yeah, there we go. So um, there is just one question that's come in just off the back of our last discussion, other than Shopify, what's better option for a marketplace uh, from Vivian? Uh, oh, sorry, um, Carlo in, in response to the uh, poll just had to said organic SEO. Yeah, kind of forgot that. Should have put that on the poll actually. Um, does anyone want to pick up that question for Vivian before we move on? So, uh, so our experiences for marketplaces, the, the marketplaces we work with are very well funded because they have to balance, um, you know, paying for acquisition of, uh, of customers as well as, um, as the acquisition of the merchants or the sellers. So uh, they've all opted, in, in, to my knowledge, for custom-built platforms. So they've had in-house development teams that have built something custom for them as opposed to using a platform. Cool. Right. I'm going to move on. I've got a few more questions and obviously we've got about 20 minutes left. So... Uh, next question, I'm going to come to Hannah first and then Alex, if that's OK. So question is, is just about how to read the data. Now, obviously, uh, you know, data analytics is I'm starting to sigh just thinking about it. So can you just talk us through what sort of key metrics to look at? I'll start with you, Hannah, if that's OK. What's your what's, what would you sort of suggest the key metrics to look at? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it completely depends on your objective. Something that I always look at is search like the impression share, like how are we based on like compared to our competitors and then like really looking at where in the intent funnel um each search queries are so like your more upper funnel search queries will maybe look at clicks like the traffic click through rate like cpcs and and measure success based off those and then uh, the further like down the funnel you get like looking at into roi um revenue it, it really depends on company objectives but that's how i personally look at it but also like tools that I really think are important to also look into is the auction insights. It's really important with Google shopping because it is a comparison tool. So just constantly see where you sit amongst your competitors and like look at where we can improve it. Is, do we need to push harder? Is there, are we like competitive enough or are we too competitive? Are we spending too much on those CPC? So it's constantly like looking into everything holistically, but then like, breaking it down and looking into that intent and everything around it really. Alex, do you want to add? Yeah, I think I think what you've got almost got to try and do is draw out a, um, you know, a graph of some sort which basically takes in um, a conversion rate, take it say between one to five percent, um, and then a cost per click of you know taking five and incremental up to say 50p and almost work out what the cost associated with each of those sort of points would be. What Take your average order value um, and your margin and factor in that and return. And then you can start to sort of see where your, your sweet spot of, of bidding uh, will work. Um, you know, there's element, you know, if, if it's costing you 50p and converting at half a percent or one percent, it's not worth it. You know, if it's taking it at 25p but it's converting at three percent, then it's you know, you're probably at that sort of point where okay, this is this is attractive to us, we can start doing that. Um, and work out work out your points. I think in most instances, about a three to one breaks even, gives you the money back on, on what you've spent on your marketing, the cost of the goods, and factors in the elements of your people, your returns, your all that sort of stuff. But three at three to one, it's about sort of break even. Anything anything after that is is usually sort of profitable, depending on what industry you are and what type of product you are. But a type of fashion that would kind of be about right. Um, and then then when you got to almost play into okay so you know do do we factor in sort of like lifetime value do we focus on new new customer acquisition costs and then you might have a bit of flexibility on that do you want growth for you about trying to create market share and awareness of your brand you might factor in a sort of a two to one roi if you're willing to sort of um you know leverage that that, that marketing spend to feed the other channels as i, as I said before um, equally, you might be very much in your infancy. It's about turning a you know a, a profit very quickly and, and trying to break it. You know, so you know you might maybe target a, a five six to one ROI, but it's a lot more tricky unless you can find those niche keywords. Remember, you are coming up against big competition, and you're coming up against yourself in competition as well. You know, eighty percent of your feed will not be getting clicked on. You know, that's the reality. Google isn't serving it up and you're, you, you know, you are favoring other products in your feed. Um, so, so, you know, you've just got to factor in 
where you sort of see, see your product and where you see a return. Well, you've just pre preempted my next question, which is all around sort of like margins and ROI. So it, it's, it's quite interesting. I mean, we're obviously I'm looking at the clock at the same time, but you know, it's, it's, it's how do you assess the margin? You've just mentioned lifetime value. Liam, how do you work with your clients when it comes to achieving their margin? Is it, do most of the clients just want margin on, on, on every product sold or is it they look at it from a lifetime value point of view or can you sum that up? It, it does vary um, from client to client and particularly um, as we talked about marketplaces earlier, marketplaces are typically around the lifetime value of the customer um, and also other sectors are. So if, you, if you've got a customer or if you're selling in a sector where you're likely to get repeat purchases. So for example, if a retailer is selling um, running equipment and that's what they're really focused on, they know that someone's going to be you know, having to replace trainers very regularly, you know, buying new, um, new, new athletic wear as well. However, if they're really in, in a one-time purchase, such as luxury fashion, they're maybe going to be less likely to be making very frequent purchases. So the business has to know their customers and also it's to do with their, their own growth goals. You know, are they very, very well funded so they can afford to make a loss on acquiring a customer, on getting a new customer, um, knowing that they might repeat, um, you know, become profitable in six months or 12 months even, or are they more funded for you know being actually very quick uh, quickly profitable or immediately profitable and and what this does is you know i think you can get a strategy that's going to work for for any you know for a very long repayment period or a very immediate repayment period you just need to take a factor that in and um and what our software does is it actually bids for every single SKU. So, um, you know, if you've got 10,000 different products in all individual sizes and colors, uh, we can actually factor in the exact cost price of those products and bid uniquely for every product. So if you've got an item which is on clearance, which is, you know, been massively discounted, very low profit, you know, you've got to bid pennies for that product if you want to be profitable immediately on the first purchase. Likewise, if you've got a very high margin, new season item, um, you can afford to bid more for that product, even if they're the same RRP. If they're both 30 pounds, but the profit margin is very different. Our software can take that into to account. Anna, you're nodding there. Can can I get your thoughts on this as well, please? Yeah, I mean, just away. absolutely echoing what Liam says. I don't really have anything additional to add, but yeah, hit the nail on the head there. Right, um, I'm going to move on. I think I might keep the mic with you, Hannah, because we've got a question that was emailed to us prior to this event. Uh, it's from a, a, a lingerie brand who shall remain nameless, but it's asking about, can you talk to us a little bit about, it could be Hannah or Liam or both, just talk us a little bit about the restrictions and guidelines concerning nudity for lingerie companies. Um, can I come to you first, uh, Hannah, because obviously your, your company overlaps into this area so yeah sure so um obviously the, there is quite a few google policies around um nudity and uh, quite a few things that lingerie companies would i guess touch on or it might be sensitive to these those google policies something that i would definitely say to make sure that you constantly adhere to those policies i mean you won't be able you'll just get suspended if you don't so i guess the biggest advice I would give that we have done at Lounge is make sure that Google Shopping's considered throughout the whole process of like making a product, putting a product on site. So going back to, because obviously Google Shopping's so image-based, going back to even the photo shoots, making sure that you're adhering to those Google policies then. So making sure that like any sensitive parts are covered or making sure that the image is shot in a certain way or maybe using covers if it's more of a mesh piece or and things like that it that can really help you and it's just making sure that you're transparent through the whole teams of this is what this is what the issue could be and we just need to make sure it's we don't need to resolve it it's not it catch it before it becomes an issue really and same when you there with the e-commerce teams as well obviously if you're showing like a mesh bra and you're, the customer might not know it's a see-through bra. So they're making sure that you're adding a sticker, say on site saying, hey, just to be transparent with them that, hey, this is actually see-through, but you know, so in, when you go into Google shopping, it's maybe not showing that. Um, and then another thing, I guess, that um, we've always had an issue with is remarketing. So we can't actually remarket because due to sensitivity um, 
it's just a Google policy and there's no way of getting around it. But it's just about making, it's not a huge thing for Google Shopping, but it's just about being aware of that and knowing that that's maybe something that you won't be able to do. But looking instead of at like remarketing or new acquisition, looking into the search terms and basing if it's new acquisition or not off the search terms or at the end when you can actually see whether it's new acquisition or not in analytics or your like platform. Um, Liam, do, do you want to add to that at all? Or, I think uh, that, was, that was spot on, yeah. yeah. Really, really great. Brilliant. Thanks, Hannah. Appreciate that. So we've got just around 10 minutes left to go. Um, I've got a few more questions to um, ask. Uh, I'd like to bring in Kevin next. You've been quiet for a little while. So um, uh, what I want to talk about now and get your thoughts on this, Kevin, is just after the click, uh, how do we then convert? And I know we were talking about this the other day. Do you want to just sort of talk us through that sort, sort, sort of ways of how you know you can convert uh the sale post click then so to speak absolutely yeah. i think i think yeah this is a great webinar because it's all about how we get a customer to the website which is the hardest thing in retail to do uh the second hardest thing is to convert that customer when they're when they're on the website and so i think the for a start there has to be a solid platform behind that website it needs to work you know it needs to work quickly like liam was saying earlier I think secondly on that, you know, it needs to be a clean website. There needs to be as, as few clicks as possible to get through to that, that basket, you know, as, as you can. As soon as you start getting into clicks and you start having to do, you know, a account up front and give your DNA or your blood type, it absolutely ruins, you know, what, what's happening in the, in the process. And you, if you're unlocking and unpicking all that hard work. So really, really important that we, that we nail that process going along the way. And then, you know, thirdly, to promote my own company, it's making sure you have payment partners that people recognize. So we've got 13 million shoppers in the UK at Klarna. We've got 90 million globally. And it's absolutely essential that a customer comes onto a website, sees Klarna or, you know, another, another provider if they, if they really need to, and, you know, has that immediate comfort with that buying process. Because then at the end of the day, they know that their preferred method of payment is available as soon as they hit the site through upstream marketing, PDP, et cetera. And the likelihood of conversion with some client clients can be up to 40% more than it would be through debit and credit card. So, you know, we know it works and it works for every client we have. And the great thing about it is, is client clients spend more and spend more often and come back more often. So it's making sure, like I said at the start, you've got those world-class partnerships as a retailer. Thank you. Um Liam, just quickly, because obviously we pushed for time, and I'm going to come to Alex after that. Um, how involved do you get in the old post-click uh, sort of journey? Yeah, so it's a really interesting one. So I think when we so when we built the business, so I say we're you know we're a tech platform which really uh, manages the the intricacies and complexities of the bidding. So understanding the search terms that are coming through, how much to bid for them at the right price to achieve your profitability. So in building the business initially, we we're like, well, it's totally not our department, is it? You know, there's there's experts like Klarna, there's fantastic in-house teams like Alex and Hannah. You know, that, um, but actually what we found is that. We've by by speaking to, to hundreds of e-commerce retailers and working with them, we've actually been able to spot the apps like Klarna, which can have a huge impact. And actually, we have a really strong customer success team, which is speaking weekly with our clients, and they're show, sharing the apps that are that are successful, that are really moving the needle on conversion rate um, or, or any metrics um, that are important to that retailer on site. So on their on that conversion journey, and and that can really help to make our our job easier if they've got great photography you know some, sometimes it's technology pieces sometimes it's just advice on you know hey these retailers have done this they've they've added you know a mannequin shots they've added um people shots you know they've added studio images and it's had a really big impact but yeah it's definitely really important and i'm picking up on Klarna. we work with a luxury watch retailer and um and they added um they added Klarna and they saw that actually what what happened was, was really interesting because um there was really huge increase of payday when people had the money, they could buy luxury watches, but actually by having a split payment provider, it was really impactful for this retailer because they could buy, you know, suddenly it wasn't all about waiting for payday. They could click through and buy mid-month or early in the month as well. So often there's some really interesting learnings that, that we make. And whilst we won't implement them, we will share them with and share that advice through, through customer success. Alex, just quickly on post-click uh, conversions, uh, can you add to that at all? Or? Yeah, so, so I think for me, my, my principles have always been four things and what you've got to focus on. So you've got your proposition, so what you're selling, availability, is it in stock, 
competitiveness, so your, your pricing, your, your offers, your, 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 how your website's set up effectively, all, all the, the, um, the partners, et cetera, and then traffic. And if any one of them is falling down, then you're not going to sell as much. So in this instance, traffic is, is, is key. It's getting them onto the site, first of all, expressing an interest, making them aware of your brand. And then after that, it's, it's how can you get them back? Um, either have they purchased or have they not purchased, but how, how do you go about that? Retargeting, you know, your email should usually be your most uh, cost-effective um, channel. Uh, SMS is, you know, certainly emerging. Look at desktop notifications. Look at app notifications if you've got that. Everything, how you can get the customer back into your site quickly. Once you've got them interested, you know, it might take seven visits for them to, um, to convert, but once you've got them hooked, um, that's where you can uh, keep them as a customer. So. And Hannah, do you want to add anything to that? Post-click conversions? Yeah, I think everybody's um, <laughs> made all the really good points. Um, yeah, just to echo that, really. I think another one is, especially as you grow internationally, um, which is something that we're we're facing now is to just make sure that you're being seasonally relevant in those territories obviously when you when you're a British brand for example like lounge um growing in Australia and maybe not having like that correct tone or the correct imagery on site um once they hit the site can sometimes have an effect like if you're like at Christmas time in the UK you're like pushing really cozy comfy messaging and imagery it, and they don't want that they're in the summer so it's just making sure that you're very aware of how you speak to the the customer globally and that it's not always the same customer there's multiple different customers across the world yeah thank you so we've got just five minutes left chaps and chapesses uh we have uh last question is um what does the future of digital acquisition look like so if i can get really brief comments on this because obviously we'll push for time. I'll start with you, Liam. So what's the future of digital acquisition look like? Yeah, I think it's really uh, multi-channel and through the whole whole journey of, of businesses. So it's interesting. Social media has been the number one channel for, for um, people joining this call. I think it's about how how we how you can support it, that journey to ensure that you're capitalizing on those moments, which I know Hannah and the team at Lounge are absolutely fantastic at, you know, capturing those uh, spikes and supporting those opportunities, whether it's Black Friday or other calendar events. Um, so I think it's really a holistic multi-channel view. Brilliant. Kevin, future of digital acquisition? Just if you could just do in a quick line, because obviously you push the time. Yeah, it's all about partnerships. So um, enter into world-class partnerships with partners who can elevate your brand. That's the key to life, in my opinion. Brilliant. Alex? Um, well, I, I kind of think that e-commerce to an extent hasn't really changed in 20 years. What's really changed is the, um, the devices that we're using and the way in which we interact. So while we might have moved from celebrity endorsements to brand ambassadors to micro-influencers, all that is still the, the recommendations, the tone of voice, you know, refer friends again, how, how we communicate, email us, you know, transfer, you know, to more WhatsApp, to um, te text messages, to app notifications, still changing, still getting people on, onto the site. And, but, you know, ultimately it's going to fall back to Google. You know, you're on there, 60% of your traffic is going to be coming from that in one, one way or another. And then Hannah, and lastly, so what's your thoughts on the future of digital acquisition? Yeah, so um, I think tools like, well, like platforms like Google are going to become more and more automated. So it's just about kind of being transparent, understanding like your customers, understanding all the search terms coming through, which is going to then shape like the future of um, yeah, digital acquisition and, and using other tools out there as well as as on top of Google to get that transparency as you move forward. Thank you. Uh, it's been such a fascinating conversation. I just there's so much to cover in this. I'm still not clear whether this is an art or science, Liam. You'll have to uh, uh, educate me on that. Pardon. Both. <laughs> both is it? So, yeah. So you might have to educate me on that afterwards. Uh, so like I say to everybody out there listening, thank you for attending. We do have a short uh, 
networking opportunity straight after this. Um, Scarlett is, uh, is that the link? Yes, the link is just being shared. So for any of you in the audience who would like to come and just have a quick chit chat with the, the panel and myself and the rest of our team, uh, we'll see you in there. Um, for those of you, a few people have been asking about contact details and a couple have been about Bidnamics. I'm just going to put the final slide up. So here's our speakers. If anybody wants to connect with them on LinkedIn, here are their names. And then if anybody, and that's the web address for Bidnamic, who's very kindly sponsored today's talk. So thank you, Liam, for that. Um, and there's the contact details. So Thank you very much, everybody. Uh, I think we've almost bang on time uh, for a change. Yes, we are. So, well, I shall see you, uh, I was going to say, I'll see you in the bar, but I'll see you in the virtual bar straight after this. So thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. Thank Cheers. Bye-bye. Are we staying on or do we put that? We just leave now, so.